Welcome back, guys, to Mountain Meditations. Now, this is episode number six. Uh, This series is about why are things popular. Uh, Today, we're going to be examining what, Tristan? We're going to be doing something that I've been looking forward to. We're going to be talking about hunting. Hunting is something that I have done uh, very literally before I could formulate memories. Uh, My dad took me on hunting trips that I really just can't remember since I was so young. Nice. Well, um, I've never hunted before. I've never fished before. And I've actually never held a gun in my life, I don't believe. I could have at some point, but it was probably an antique of some sort. But I mean, like, a gun that could actually fire things. (laughs) I don't think I've ever held one before. So we have very uh, different perspectives on this topic, which is why I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. All right. So why is hunting popular? I want to just bring you into the world, Chris, the world of hunting. Let me tell you about the first time I ever went hunting with my dad that I can remember. All right. Remember this very clearly. Uh, Something shook me awake. I was four years old, maybe three or four, Mm -hmm. and I felt something shake me awake. And I heard, Tristan, Tristan. I was like, what? what's going on? He's like, you need to wake up. We're going hunting. Okay, Papa, I'll tell Mama. And he goes, no, 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 I'll tell your mother. We, we'll go hunting, I'll tell your mother. <laughs> okay. I go, I get out of my pajamas, I put on my long johns. My dad laid out my clothes for me because I was like three or four. I didn't really know how to dress myself for a hunt. I put on <laughs> uh, some camouflage, baby camouflage which was just like green and brown stuff. He's like, so I, he's like, okay, go away from me in the kitchen because the right out the door from the kitchen is the back door. Mm-hmm. The back door goes to the truck. We're going to get in the truck and we're going to go. And I didn't know that yet because I thought we were just going to go into the back field. We had a back field at our house where we could go hunting. He would take me and just look at the birds and look at the deer and look at the turkey that were sometimes back there. And he would uh-huh. give me a pair of binoculars and he'd just look at them, look at them. I was like, okay, Papa, I figure we're just going to do something like that. And I hear him knock on the door to my parents' bedroom. I was like, why is my dad knocking on his own door? And he goes, Nancy. And I hear my mom. She's dead asleep. And she's just waiting. She's, it's maybe four o'clock in the morning. She goes, Javi, Javi, what are you doing up? I was like, he said, Nancy, I'm taking Tristan and goodbye. Boom, out the door, in the pickup truck, driving out of the driveway. (laughs) Because he took a high-powered rifle into the wilderness, because we were going in the backfield. We were going into upstate towards the the Blue Mountains, right where South Carolina meets North Carolina. We're going into the country where there's black bears. We're going into the country where there are actual, like, people who get lost, missing in the wilderness. And he has a high-powered rifle with his three-year-old, four, maybe four-year-old son, and the thing he was more scared of than all of that was my mother. <laughs> and that's, that's, the, that's the reality. My dad was a very, very passionate hunter. He was very passionate about all that stuff. He had been mm-hmm. hunting and fishing his entire life. My grandmother always tells stories uh, how she'd come home from her work or she'd uh, get the kids back from school. My dad was just gone. He's, they lived on a farm in rural South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just gone. She has no idea where she is. 
but she knows one thing. Either the 20 gauge or his 22 was missing and a box of ammo was gone. And she knew another thing. By the time he got back, he was going to have something because he never <laughs> left. He would not. He actively refused to leave the woods until he found something. And uh-huh. he would fill up her freezer with everything. Squirrels, birds, snakes, uh, little muskrats, groundhogs. Mm. And he would get everything. And he'd put it in the freezer and he'd find a way to cook it. <laughs> and my dad really showed the the stages that a hunter goes through. It's been a it's been a big thing in the hunting community, the stages that a hunter goes through. Mm-hmm. From youthful bloodlust to an older, more refined appreciation for wilderness. And I definitely went through it too. When I was young, there was nothing I wanted to do than to bag out on duck and bag out on doves and get a big buck and have this trophy that I could see. And it it was it's something that really generationally applies to hunters. You can ask anybody that hunts and they'll tell you about the youthful bloodlust into the older, more appreciation for the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And it's that appreciation for the wilderness that really just keeps people going. Because if I didn't have my father to show me, to like take me out and show me, it's like, this is why we do this. And he just pointed things out to me. He goes, see that kind of, that's a, a sycamore tree. You can know because this is the way the bark looks, and this is the way the leaves look. And you see these plants? You, uh, these are blackberry bushes. You can eat the blackberries if they're ripe, and you know they're ripe because they're black. And mm-hmm. he would point things out to me. And it's, he just really showed me like what was important about nature. And he just showed, he, I learned so much just hanging out with him and like being out in the wilderness. And he'd point things out to me. He said, see that? That's that. And you see that? And that's that. Mm-hmm. And it, there was so much of hunting that had nothing to do with the actual killing of any animals. I'd reckon that 90% of hunting is just being out in the wilderness and looking at things and observing just nature. Yeah. And all, 10% of it is maybe, maybe shooting and killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a thing that I always hear, I, I remember I was in Georgia at my Uncle Sam's uh, farm. I went out deer hunting. And I wanted a deer so bad because I never shot one before and I just see nothing. And I go back and I just like, I don't know, Sam, I'm pretty disappointed. And he's like, you know, it's called hunting, not killing. Mm-hmm. Because that effort that you put in, setting up your stands, looking around, being in the wilderness and trying to find deer, that's what makes it worth it. Yeah. And that's inspires the generations. And I guess that's, that's part of like, because that comes from a sort of, a thing that goes way, way back in our past of actual, you know, needing to hunt in order to survive. Um, the fact that, like, the reasons humans, that that humans did so well is because they were able to have so much patience. And, you know, they're, they're very patient predators. Not only that, we're very, you know, like, we're good at uh, tracking things for long distances and things like that. So, I, I you know, I, I guess that's just, like, carried down through our blood is probably something that we still have in us where it's like we don't mind sitting in a field waiting for something when we know that like you know eventually it's going to come and we're going to get it you know exactly and honestly the fact that i have the choice to hunt and i don't have to hunt for survival yeah one of the best things because there's such a huge difference in just like the philosophy is hunting and the hunting techniques because I have met people that really 
uh, really live off the grid and just hunt for survival. And they grow Dang. their own food and they harvest their own meat. And Gosh. honestly, like I've watched interviews of people who live in a, a very, very remote parts of South America or Indonesia, and they have mm-hmm. to hunt to survive. I remember yeah. I watched an episode of Meat Eater, which is a Netflix series about hunting, uh-huh. where they were fishing. They were bow fishing. And what they do, I've been bow fishing. I love yeah. bow fishing a lot because uh-huh. it's about sneaking around, subterfuge, trying to trick fish and getting into it. And what they do is they put poison in the water that takes away the oxygen so the fish have to come up to breathe. And I would never oh, wow. do that. To me, that seems just cruel and inhumane. But yeah. to them, it's a whole different story. I don't right. like hurting animals. I don't. The 10% of hunting that actually goes into killing the animals, that's my least favorite part. And I'm, yeah, I, like, I wouldn't be able to. I don't know if I could do that. That's the thing is like, I, I still don't know if I would want to be like taking the life of an animal. I do love animals a lot. So, I, you know, that's part of why I've never done it. Yeah. And it's like, when I saw that, it's just like, it really showed me the difference between like their reality of hunting and my kind of fantasized, like kind of playfulness of hunting. Because yeah. if I go deer hunting and I get nothing, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I'll go to Walmart. I'll go to Walmart, <laughs> pick up some ground beef. It's fine. <laughs> I went I went hunting and I saw a bunch of does and I just didn't, sh- even though I had an active doe tag, I didn't shoot them just because I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, getting a doe would be nice, but I already got one. I want to s- sit here and wait for a buck. And I never saw a buck and I just mm-hmm. didn't even care. I got out of my stand. They ran away and I just went home. And my mom asked me, did you see any deer? I was like, I saw some does, but I really wanted a buck. So I just decided not to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's privilege think, right there. <laughs> it's great. Are you kidding? I don't want to ha- have to kill things for survival. Yeah. That's so much pressure. <laughs> and that's one of the biggest reasons why I think hunting is so popular in the United States. Because it's such a choice. It's such a nice thing to choose to be able to do. You can just let sleeping dogs lie. But then some would argue, like, why would you do it if it's not necessary? You know, before we had an excuse, it's like, oh, we're, we're getting food, we're trying to survive. But, you know, how do you argue against the people that say things like, well, now you're just doing it for sport, you know, stuff like that? Now, that's actually a really good question. There's a lot that goes into that. And one of the biggest reasons that I say it is because uh, I've had conversations with people who are anti-hunting Uh, They're generally like vegan, vegetarian. It's like, why would you choose to kill animals? Just innocent animals, they don't don't do anything to you. And Mm -hmm. it's true, a deer's never attacked me. (laughs) Maybe they would be better off (laughs) if they did, but a deer's (laughs) never attacked me. They go, why why do you do it? It's because a lot of them says like, I remember specifically one, he said like, I could understand if you didn't want to kill them, but you actually prefer to kill your own animals yourself. Like, what does that say about you? And here's the thing about it. Pound for pound, Hunters contribute more to wildlife conservation than anybody else. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that the stereotypical view of the hunter, the guy that just puts on camo and walks through the woods just blasting anything he sees, that's <laughs> so, so divorced from reality. Mm-hmm. Most hunters care about the populations and the environment more than anybody else. I'm very, very pro uh, wildlife conservation. I really think that we need to do something about climate change because I think that it's a very serious problem. Mm-hmm. And hunters have to spend so much money buying licenses, getting tags, 
uh, buying ammunition, by uh, doing training, and all that other kind of stuff. And it all goes towards uh, wildlife conservation. The fact that there are a lot less hunters in the United States now than there were years prior, that's actually a really big deal because a lot of... Uh, a lot of funds are just drying up for wildlife conservation. And not mm -hmm. only that, but some way or another, these game animals do have to be taken out because uh, deer populations uh, without their natural predators like wolves and coyotes and wolves were really, really taken apart, almost completely dismantled in the eastern United States by Native Americans and early colonial settlers, almost mm -hmm. completely wiped out. I believe there are still some wolf populations in the Northeast, but there's really where I am, which is around the Southeast, there's just nothing in terms of wolves. I I wouldn't be surprised if there were some packs, but I've certainly never seen one. I've never heard any stories about them, and I really haven't done that much research, but I reckon there just aren't any around here. Well, I, and, it's all coyotes and foxes. I don't. I haven't seen any wolves before. Yeah, and that's actually a major problem because deer, I love deer, but they can really, really just decimate an environment because mm -hmm. deer can eat a lot and they can completely clear cut an area and just leave so little vegetation. And that has a rippling effect everywhere else because after a while, the deer start to run out of food. Yeah. So they're either going to have to start digging through trash or they're just not going to be able to sustain themselves. Yeah, it, there's a balance to everything, you know. As a hunter, you know, I don't want to hunt one season. I want to hunt for the rest of my life. I don't want to get my trophy buck and then just be done with it. I plan on hunting and fishing for the entirety of my life. And I there's nothing realistically that's going to stop me. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that if I just burn through all the natural resources that the environment has to offer. Hunters understand that we need to control populations, but also let them flourish and let populations that are endangered come mm. back. We need protections against them because if we just shot deer all year long, uh, any fawn that managed to actually be born would probably end up without parents and be taken down by coyotes. Mm -hmm. We need to have seasons where fawns, baby deer, or bear cubs, or, coy or coyote pups can be allowed to grow and mature. Yeah. And breed. Hunters understand that. We understand breeding patterns. We understand wildlife conservation. We understand all this. And of course, you're going to get bad eggs. Everybody agrees poachers are just horrible people that deserve to see the inside of a prison cell. But True. the idea that hunters are just mindless, soulless killing machines that don't care about the environment is entirely divorced from reality. Hunters mm -hmm. care more about the environment than any of the average person. And in fact, they care more about the environment than most environmental groups. Uh, the, a lot of Department of Natural Resources uh, officers, especially in the state that I live in, uh, all the ones that I've met, they're all avid hunters and fishers. And they understand the reality that wildlife has a balance and there has to be predation in order yeah. for game to survive. Mm-hmm. But I want to step away from that sort of thing. That's, I think, one of the biggest reasons that hunting can get popular because okay. it is so vital, so extremely vital to the wildlife and to the mm -hmm. environment. But I want to step away from that and I want to get into some personal anecdotes, why okay. it's such a big part of my life. 
And the first thing I want to talk about is bird dogging. Now, in my family, we have plenty of traditions in hunting. Uh, some of them are very simple, like bird dogging. And it's something that almost everybody goes through. It's definitely not specific to my family. In fact, I would think it's weird if people didn't do this. It's basically when you're uh, young and you can't handle a firearm yet responsibly, and maybe your dad or your uncle takes you hunting, maybe your aunt, because we don't discriminate here, <laughs> maybe they take you hunting, you are the bird dog. Now, a lot of people will train dogs. Uh, my dog, Neff, he is a very good duck hunter. He's very good at retreating doves. You shoot a duck out of the sky, and he runs and gets it. But now you're the bird dog. So mm -hmm. your uncle takes out hunting, and when he drops a dove or a duck, it's your job to go and get it. And that teaches you about things. It really helped, it helped me so much become a good hunter because mm -hmm. now whenever I can uh, accurately tell you what kind of a duck is flying overhead by the sound of it flying and just by looking at it, I get a quick glimpse and I can tell you that's a wood duck, that's a mallard, that's a pintail. Mm -hmm. And you, you can pick out these little things because that's what my uncles told me. My uncle Johnny, he would take me duck hunting and he'd point one out and he'd say, that's a wood duck or that's a mallard. And he'd tell me how he knew and how he figured that out. And it was, it was just that learning about the environment and about animals. I, I've, I've always loved animals. That really drew me into the appreciation of it. And he, it taught me how to track them. It's like, okay. And he taught me techniques to make sure I never lose them. Because the, the last thing you want is to shoot a game animal and then have it not matter because you lose it. It's yeah. horrifying. Mm -hmm. I, I've been on bad hunts before where... I haven't gotten the best shot on a deer or a duck. And one time in my life, I shot a deer and I lost it. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't retrieve it. And it haunted, it really haunted me for months just thinking about the fact that I, you know, I killed a deer and I wasn't able to eat it because you have yeah. a moral responsibility to eat that deer. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, I searched for it for hours and I just couldn't find it. Well, and you I, say you have a moral responsibility. Would you say that for all hunters? Yes, absolutely. Hunters have a moral responsibility to treat the game that they have with respect. And the best thing that you can do is just, you can't just kill things. That's wrong. You have mm -hmm. to have, I understand trophy hunting. If you want to kill, if you want to harvest a game animal for a trophy, there's nothing wrong with that. But you have a moral responsibility to eat that deer. You're not killing it just to kill it. You're killing it for population control. You're killing mm -hmm. it for nourishment. And when you, this is gonna, this is gonna sound really stupid, but uh, <laughs> I really do believe that. Like when you, the first time I shot a buck, I, uh, it was, uh, it was a seven point buck, and I just couldn't wait to take it home and eat it. Mm. And that night, when I was taking home and eating it, I, I could just so clearly see the buck like eating and living its life in my head. And I, cause I, I really believe that on a spiritual level, when you eat an animal that you killed, a little part of it stays with you. Just a little part of it. It, it stays with you and it grows within you and it, it nourishes you. It builds you because you do need to eat to grow. And it's just like, uh, it's probably super whack, but I really, I really believe that it's, when you eat an animal that you killed, it stays with you. And I've never heard that. I kind of like that, though. I think that's interesting. It's, 
I, I think that maybe I'm just weird or something, but I, I it's a spiritual, <laughs> it's a quasi spiritual experience for me. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I'm probably going to get put on a list for this, <laughs> but, uh, and, um, those, it's those traditions of like eating the animal, butchering it yourself that really keep hunting very personal for me. Mm-hmm. And it's very, uh, it's just the philosophy philosophy behind it. You can talk about this sort of thing. And this is one of the traditions that uh, is a little weirder. We have something called blooding. Uh, my family owns Sounds land gross. in rural South... Just wait for it. Okay. My family owns land in rural South Carolina. And we own plenty of farmland. And we have deer and turkey on that farmland. Mm-hmm. And one of the rules is the first time you kill a deer on that farmland... When you are skinning it, uh, a lot of blood will fall out. We have a metal bucket that we put beneath the deer, and the bucket fills up with the blood. Mm-hmm. And for the first deer, you take the blood is taken from the bucket and poured onto you. So oh, the like first on time your I kill, head or like just on your head and shoulders because it's That's a couple disgusting. gallons. It's a couple gallons worth of blood. So you skin the deer I, and then you strip down to like your underwear or something, ew. and then. The first, the first time I did this, this is what happened. I skinned the deer, I stripped out of my underwear, and my uncles poured the blood on me. What does that do? And it Like, why? It smells. I don't know. <laughs> That's one of the traditions <laughs> that... What? <laughs> okay. Not all traditions are spiritual experiences where you grow closer. Some of them are just traditionally masculine things that you gotta do. Okay. I feel like that's just like <laughs> I don't like I could just just picture that like your first like human kill <laughs> like you just pour <laughs> blood on yourself <laughs> and then you scream into the night. <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay, just, just roll with me on this, right? Okay. <laughs> the Native Americans used every part of the animals that they kill. So do yeah. I just in a different way. They use the blood for rituals by making face paint. I use the blood for rituals by having a smelly shower. <laughs> okay, that explained everything. I understand now. <laughs> it's, it's tradition. It's hunting becomes this personal and familial thing. And it, I've never asked, I never asked why we blooded and I never stopped doing it. I mean, I only did it once because you only you only have to do it once. <laughs> I was gonna well, say, dude, have you been doing this this whole time? <laughs> yeah, every time I kill a deer, I just dump the blood on myself, <laughs> and I just I don't like when I dump the blood on myself, I absorb their power. I just run uh, them yeah, down. Yeah, that's what it sounded like for what you're saying earlier when you're eating them. They get like their life story. You're just <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't even use guns anymore. I just run them down, and tackle them. <laughs> pull their heart out with my fist now that would make like for a good a, podcast I would, like I would it's mortal that. combat <laughs> and it's that it's that familial thing that just it keeps hunting within the family and it's it's like an initiation it's like hazing in a fraternity why do we slap you with paddles and force you to shotgun beers we don't do we have to do that to be good buddies with you in a fraternity no but if we do <laughs> If we do, we're going to be closer. And am I going to do it when my little cousins kill their first deer? I mean, probably. 
<laughs> and it's like I'm I might not pour the blood on them, but I'll show them how to butcher their deer. I don't I don't really like the blooding. I'll say that. But I'm happy I did it because my father did it and his father did it mm-hmm. and his grandfather did it. And my dad's 10 siblings did it. It's something that yeah. we just that we just have to do. And when I did it, I felt closer to my family. I felt closer. Well, I was just like, you know, we've all gone through this too. I was like, why are you making me do this? It's like, well, we had to do it too. <laughs> it's, it's like hazing. <laughs> I don't think fraternity hazings involve a lot of blood, but I am not a part of a fraternity. <laughs> me either. I don't know. Right. So that was after I got my first deer and it was that youthful bloodlust. But nowadays when I go sit out in the deer stand, I don't even plan on killing a deer. When I was younger, when I was 16, I would go hunting every single weekend. And I had one thing on my mind, getting that deer, bagging that deer, getting that meat. Now, before I was excited to hunt and to shoot and to prove that I could be a good hunter. Now I'm just excited to be outside of the house. I go out. (laughs) My phone has no signal, so I'm not distracted by anything. I go outside. I'm in the fresh air. And I I see deer so much more often. And I shoot so much less often mm-hmm. because, because I don't want to shoot unless it's really worth it. I see a bunch of mature does and I see, I think to myself, when I was 16, I was like, a bunch of mature does. Okay. Do I have a doe tag? All right. I have a doe tag. Which one is the biggest? I want the most meat I can get out of this. And I see a doe's and I see, how much, free, how much meat do I have in the freezer? Do I really need a doe? Do I need to shoot at all? One time, I remember uh, I didn't bring any bullets. I just completely forgot the bullets because I wasn't even thinking about shooting. And I saw mm-hmm. a couple of bows and a nice little buck chasing them. I was like, oh, I don't have any bullets. Eh. <laughs> I just took out my binoculars and watched them. And I had a great time. I was just watching them in their natural habitat, just mm-hmm. moving around and being deer. And I had a good time. If I'd done that when I was 16, I would have been furious with myself. I would have thought I was the worst hunter ever. But now... I don't care about being an effective hunter. I just want to be outside. I want to be one with, I want to be just within nature and just take a quiet, restful position as a predator in nature. I don't want to kill things. I want to preserve balance. I want, I want to keep this going. When I was 16, I wanted to go out in the woods and I wanted to, I wanted to get a deer. I wanted to get my trophy. I want to get a mount. Now I want to go out in the woods and I want to have a good time. And I want to do what I need to do to be able to do that next season and the season after that and to be able to have this good meat and to be able to share this with my family. There's nothing I love more than taking a younger cousin hunting because after my father passed away, my uncles filled in his role. They made sure to like to take me hunting to yeah. show me what it means to be a good hunter and a good mm-hmm. environmentalist. And that shaped me so much and it shaped me for the better. I have so much respect for nature that I don't think I would have had if I never went hunting. And Do I you want, think maybe that's part of the appeal? Like maybe... Absolutely. Like I, I would say that a lot of us don't get to go outside much anymore, like especially if you have a job. Yep. You know, a job that involves you sitting at a desk most of the time or walking around inside a, a department store. 
So like you don't get really get that time to, I guess, bond with nature would be the word. Um, so maybe, yeah, like you're saying, like it could be sort of an excuse and it could be part of why it's so popular is it's like you get to sit outside, you get to relax, you get to sort of dissociate from the regular hubbub of, you know, constantly getting uh, media flashed in your face all the time. You just get to be, you know, the way the way things used to be, I think, because, you know, technology is a very recent um, uh, inclusion into the human lifestyle. You know, it's it's been a there's been a boom of that. And the the amount of people that we're surrounded by the amount of just the sheer like quantity of information that we're processing on a day-to-day basis is absolutely ridiculous so like (laughs) giving giving yourself that time of just like peace you know maybe that could be part of the appeal because i you know i used to have a um really nice we lived on uh 10 acres back at my old house and so you know never hunted but uh there were plenty of deer and um plenty of other you know owls all kinds of wildlife there and i would love to just you know, go through the woods and just sit out there and like, yeah, like do the exact same thing. I think there's something in us that we, we all want to do that, you know? Yeah. I think that you're, you're 100% right. And one thing that I say to a lot of people that are curious about hunting, but don't know if they want to do it, don't know if they would be able to take down a deer. I always tell them, okay, here's what you can do. If you have a little money to spare, you can go to any like outdoor, sportsman's kind of a store and you can mm-hmm. buy a deer stand a good deer stand will go anywhere for like 120 160 dollars just uh-huh. to sit a good one person deer stand buy some nice camo buy some warm clothes get a thermos filled with like hot chocolate or coffee get some camouflage and get a pair of binoculars don't get a gun just get a pair of binoculars and just set up the stand wherever you need it to be and just sit out there and watch because watching the deer or the turkey it's a lot of fun it's a good time and you can really just appreciate the land and nature more and more mm-hmm. and i want to i want to jump off all this hippie nonsense <laughs> and i want to i want to talk about uh some of my favorite ways of hunting one of my favorites is dove hunting now here's the thing about morning doves they're delicious and here's another thing about morning doves There are a lot of them. Of course, you have a bag limit. Like the last time I went dove hunting, I went in Georgia, and we had a bag limit of 15 birds, which is a lot. And the thing about dove hunts is that you can dove hunt almost any time of day, and you you get to shoot a lot when you dove hunt. You get to do a lot. You get to move around the field. You get to really think about placing your shots, because when you go deer hunting, you're going to shoot maybe once or twice. Yeah. And you're going to get one deer, mm-hmm. maybe. If you get two, that's very impressive. But if you go dove hunting, you're going to be out in the field for a few hours. You're going to burn through a lot of shells. You're going to be having a good time. Mm-hmm. And one of me and my dad's favorite kinds of hunting was waterfowling. Waterfowling refers to duck hunting and goose hunting. And this is, this is one of the things that kind of draws me into hunting, is the technical aspects of it. Because... You can be a very talented, skilled hunter, and there's a lot you can learn about it. And that's really, really emphasized in duck hunting and goose hunting, and especially turkey hunting. Because the thing about turkeys is that they have 
very, very heightened senses. Deer are very good at tracking motion. They're not great at picking out colors. You don't really need camouflage to sneak up on deer. You just need to stay still. If you have some dark pants, like black, navy, green, or brown, and a dark jacket, black, navy, green, or brown, and some scent covering, Mm -hmm. the deer won't notice you as long as you stay still. That's not the same with turkeys. Turkeys can see the whites in your eyes. They can see your fingernails. You pretty much have to have to have gloves on at all times. Goose, goose are the same way. They have very, very good vision. They have very, very good hearing. And you need to almost outplay them in a sense. You have to be a good hunter to take them down. You have to really think about it. And you have to, you have to outsmart them and position yourself well. So when you successfully harvest turkey or you successfully har- harvest geese, you've done a good job. You've done a great job. And the biggest thing about geese is they are hard to take down. A lot of people, I think there's a common misconception that, you know, when you go duck hunting, goose hunting, you shoot them once and they just, they just drop out of the sky. And that's normally true. But mm-hmm. geese are just so strong and they're so tough. <laughs> if you don't get a good shot on the head of a goose, there's a solid chance they'll just fly away. They wow. can really just, they could, and it's, it's insane. They don't die. They just, you can shoot them in the chest and they'll just take it in their stride and they'll just, they'll just keep going. <laughs> I've seen it happen. I mean, if, of course, if you get like a good heart shot on them, they'll go down. But if you just, they're tough mm-hmm. and they're, they're smart. You can really see them thinking about it because when you've been hunting uh, certain places, as long as I have, the animals develop strategies to try to get around you and you have to play around that. You have to think about it. It's like, how can I, where could I be that they wouldn't expect and that they couldn't see me? Mm-hmm. What could I do to throw them off? There's a very deep and technical aspect to hunting, especially bow hunting. Bow hunting is very, very technical. It's so, so much harder than gun hunting. And I have been, I have gotten, I've taken down a deer with a bow once. I got a good shot on it, although I'm pretty sure I just got kind of lucky. And from that, I decided just bow hunting is just not for me. Because as I told you before, it's too hard. Mm. It's it's just too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Because the thing about gun hunting is that I know exactly what I need. I've so much more experience gun hunting. I can really understand why bow hunting is so attractive to people. There's Mm. so much to it, and you're never bored. And it's so hard, but it's so exciting. And... If you are a good bow hunter, more power to you. You're doing what I definitely could not. Good stuff. (laughs) But I got a good shot with my bow. Well, my dad's bow, because I don't have one of my own. I got a good shot. I took out a lung and took off the top of the heart. So it died very quickly, Mm -hmm. which is what we all want. And it didn't feel much pain. That's good. And I think that was mostly just due to luck. Because I was trying to read the wind, but I'm not too good at it. And the wind kind of pushed it and got it right on the heart. And I was like, that was too close. Because I would rather have a clean miss than a bad hit. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, the reason that hunters always go for heart shots on deer is because shooting them, trying to shoot them in the head or the neck is just so, it's just such a bad idea. I mean, if you... If you look for neck shots on deer, that's that's acceptable. And if you if you really hit it, that's good. It gets them down very quickly, probably a little more quickly than a heart shot. 
but trying to shoot them in the in the brain in the head that's just most people just including me most people find that unacceptable just bad mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. now technically shooting them in the brain that'll kill them the quickest by right. far they'll yeah. be dead before they hit the ground uh-huh. but the margin for error is so small that if you shoot them and you just hit them in the head you could damage their jaw and if you damage a deer's jaw it probably won't be able to eat very well oh, so no. it's gonna it's gonna starve to death dang and you awful. don't want that <laughs> and the thing about so a good a well-placed heart shot mm-hmm. it'll run maybe 50 yards and then collapse on the ground and if you hit a really really good heart shot sometimes they'll just get a clean kill mm-hmm. they'll just fall straight down to the ground like you shot him in the head and just be dead before you hit the ground yeah. and that's what you want you want to just go into the woods and just be almost your natural self i know that sounds stupid but <laughs> humans humans do have a natural place within the world and they have that natural place as predators we are omnivores but we are also predators we usually uh back in the hunter-gatherer days we use pursuit predation which Mm -hmm. i would not recommend now because that's it would be very hard for me to morally justify running a deer down until it's too exhausted to move on i don't want to do that now (laughs) but we do have that natural place i think that there is something very right and just about honestly and truthfully taking game when i when i harvest a good buck an old buck or an old turkey who's on its way out the door anyway i feel in tune with the natural world like this is a a kill that was good and this buck has fathered probably several children and it's it's legacy is going to live on both through me and through its children and everything, it feels like I am operating within the natural world in a way that is correct. Wow. That was beautiful. I th- didn't I say I was going to get away from the hippie stuff? God damn <laughs> no, it. No, you went, you went straight back into it. <laughs> I re- <laughs> That's a good way to end it, though. I, I like that. Because we are currently reaching our 40-minute uh, uh, time limit. Uh, that I feel like I learned a lot. Um, I still okay, don't know yeah. if I personally would do um, something like that. I wouldn't mind going along, you know, and like maybe observing. Um, yeah, but you know, if you I, want, have you? If do you have Netflix, you can watch Meat Eater on Netflix. It's okay. a really, really good show about hunting, and I would recommend it to anybody, anybody at all. If you listen to this podcast, watch Meat Eater. It's good. All right, and I would also recommend the uh, podcast Mountain Meditations. Um, it's very, yeah, it's very insightful. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. You can find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Anchor, uh, pretty much any site where podcasts are legal. So, you know, and pretty soon we're going to be on YouTube as well. Uh, still working on that. So, um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is Tristan Alano, dev man walking, signing off, uh, Say say thanks to your local DNR ranger and consider going hunting or just being out in the wilderness, just taking your natural place as a human being, as a living thing within the natural world. Mm-hmm. And this is Chris Cole. Um, see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.